anyone in the cannabis industry has been waiting for big pharma to jump in it's kind of a sign of the times that legalization is near so with the 7.2 billion dollar acquisition of gw pharma by jazz pharmaceuticals was uh was maybe that watershed moment now we've got 6.7 billion acquisition of ar wellness by pfizer so uh, not the first time that it's happened. In fact, the whole portfolio of GW Pharma is basically going to go to the wayside because Jazz, Pharma Jazz Pharmaceuticals only needs a small amount of that. But what it means to the industry that Johnson & Johnson has this incubator, J-Labs, ready for pharmaceutical distribution with its first cannabinoid company. Uh, we're going to basically dive into um, what Big Pharma uh, is doing and what I think they're going to do. All coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So maybe you recall back in May of 2021 that Jazz Pharmaceutical completed that acquisition of GW Pharma and their Epidiolex, uh, which isn't very good. A friend of mine that's since passed away from multiple sclerosis was taking it for his MS and it just kind of made him pass out. So his preference was flower pre-rolls specifically. He did enjoy a dab every once in a while. Uh, but essentially, um, you know, Pfizer going into AR wellness, I would imagine that they're going to go in and pretty much do the same thing, just kind of gut the company, take what they need, and then uh, leave everything else on the table. GW Pharma has uh, the executives left and started a new company. So um, I think they're actually publicly traded, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know what the ticker symbol is. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, if you're into gambling, uh, they're sub pennies, like 0 0.001 cents. So I wouldn't even probably talk about it anyways. It's not what I do. Um, I don't, I don't speculate. It's uh, for somebody else to do on another podcast, but with this Pfizer acquisition, what we're seeing is a uh, hundred dollars per share for the all cash acquisition. So unlike a lot of other deals where it's just simply, you know, oh, we'll give you some shares. This is actually money. So this is a real deal. <laughs> Unlike when you hear somebody who made $2 million selling their business and when it actually goes public, it's, you know, a dollar a share and they had 150 shares uh, or 150,000 shares. So the most, you know, that they would have made is a fraction of what it was quote unquote worth uh, in terms of shares. So you see a lot of numbers being thrown around the cannabis industry and the majority of them are uh, not the, the valuations that's going to happen when it actually hits the publicly traded markets. In this case, Pfizer is paying all cash all up front. So my bad, I said it was AR Wellness. It's um, actually Arena Pharmaceuticals. So AR Wellness must have been a, a different uh, transaction uh, that I was thinking about. But um, Arena Pharmaceuticals, a biotech company. And so they're basically trying to dedicate a cannabinoid therapeutics. And so they've got um, oral, full, they've got products for cannabinoid type 2 receptor to aim to treat patients with disease affecting the stomach and intestines. So that'll be pretty interesting to see. A lot of gastrointestinal disorders, so giving something for CB1, CB2 receptor cells within that endocannabinoid system. So in a press release, it was stated that uh, the proposed acquisition of ARENA complements our capabilities and expertise in inflammation and immunology, 
a Pfizer innovation engine developing potential therapies for patients with de debilitating immuno-inflammatory diseases with the need for more efficient treatment options. We're going to see Big Pharma's involvement more, trying to get uh, interested in medical cannabis. There are there's a lot of cannabinoids out there, at least a hundred something, probably four or 500. And then we just don't even know about, but the research and development on cannabinoids is what's going to uh, be exciting and keep people throwing money into the industry for treatment applications. So I'd expect to see further involvement in pharmaceutical companies for medical cannabis uh, moving forward, similar to Tilray agreeing with the Swiss pharmaceutical company Novartis to develop and distribute a medical cannabis product in legal jurisdictions nationwide. You might see agreements like that, or more likely somebody like Novartis buying out a company like Tilray, who's uh, basically non-existent. So moving on to this J-Labs incubator from Johnson & Johnson, um, kind of looks like there's a quite a few years, at least four years of research and development from multiple studies and kind of get um, this J-Labs, which is a 40,000 square foot life science innovation center to um, get their, their products out on the market. They've got uh, commercialized 30 plus advanced formulations. They've got 14 international markets and believe that um, cannabinoid-based pharma pharmaceuticals are positioned to flourish. So they're expecting to kind of try at least to commercialize rare disease pharmaceutical pipeline products for um, epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, chronic pain, anxiety, depression, um, and some other things I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But essentially, it's going to be via topicals, nasal sublinguals, oral, uh, and a, a improved absorption profiles, maybe like a transdermal patch. There's a lot of opportunities when you look at big pharma, Johnson Johnson being a $374 billion company, Pfizer, $241 billion, and they're going to make like $30 billion in profit next year off of the uh, shots that um, U.S. government is paying them a ton for. Uh, the lowest market cap uh, here is $100 billion from GlaxoSmithKline. So there's a lot of areas from um, ABBV to Lilly. Norvo Nordisk, Merck, Pfizer. I mean, all of these companies could be gobbling up. We did a podcast about uh, Chuck Schumer saying, that, you know, we can't let the big boys in. Well, psh, whatever. Uh, that's political posturing or ignorance. Um, naivete, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but the reality is, is these companies in pharmacy could buy every single company they have with a check. Like they are liquid to buy the top five uh, market cap cannabis companies out there just outright. So uh, not really sure how they're going to hold that back. There's a number of clinical trials already by the FDA. GW Pharma had 40. Um, Sanofi that I've never heard of. They have 38. Pfizer has four. AstraZeneca has two. So there's a number of people looking at cannabinoid clinical trials. GlaxoSmithKline. Um, so there's, there's, I don't know, 15 companies right there. So more than 1,300 U.S. consumers, or about 80%, use cannabis, um, according to this survey. And six years after medical marijuana legalized in 13 states, opioid-related deaths decreased by over 80 or 33%. 
knowing that cannabis could take $4 billion annually from sales, that's a, that's a small, small fraction, but why not get into it? Why not take a piece of the pie? So we're going to see them coming in, uh, giving prescriptions for chronic pain, PTSD, anxiety, nerve pain, uh, maybe cancer or cancer's side effects, Tourette's, glaucoma. Seven of Canada's top 10 cannabis patent holders are major multinational pharmaceutical companies. In the U.S., it's very similar. So they're definitely moving to get patents, uh, which is unfortunate. We'll have to see, you know, how that affects uh, cultivars and uh, availability, uh, you know, growing certain strains. So if the pharmaceutical industry is projected to reach a value of $1.7 trillion, uh, just last year and cannabidiol or CBD is supposed to hit a $22 billion market this year. Opioids is supposed to hit $35 billion in 2025. Would it make sense for Big Pharma to try and take a bite out of the cannabis industry? Yes. Companies like Insys has made legal donations to stop cannabis in places like Arizona. Uh, so there's a lot of pharmaceutical companies that um, are actually making a synthesized version of THC. So they don't want the real thing to be out there. They want their, you know, their pill form to, to be the, the only option. So they're, they're, they're donating a large sum of money, um, you know, and big pharma to try and stomp out those initiatives and create um, uh, no competition for them. That's kind of the bottom line is, uh, you know, if Nancy Pelosi can, can make like a hundred million dollars while in office, you know, it's like, show me a rich politician. I'll show you a criminal <laughs> and you can't even follow her, her stock trades. Yeah, she's, she's up like an astronomical percent, something like, um, what is it like on average? She's up like a hundred percent per year consistently over and over. And so anybody who's trying to follow her and retweet her trades, they get canceled. She can continue to do insider trading, but anybody who tries to track her can't. So two sets of rules, you know, big pharma is going to follow one cannabis is going to follow the other very similar. Uh, and unfortunately they have a lot more money in big pharma to synthesize this and make GMOs. And then, um, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to mean long-term. I just know that a lot of us in the industry aren't going to take these pills. And so if there's some kind of crazy law that says, you know, concentrates are held by a patent by jazz pharmaceuticals, and they're the only ones who can, can make extract, like no one's going to follow that rule or law. You know what I mean? So it's it'd be interesting to see how this plays out because if there's a particular cultivar that people like, and it's got exclusivity by big pharma, I guarantee you there's going to be a massive, massive uh, black market that opens up as a result of that. I think ultimately a lot of these companies are realizing you can't keep throwing money in opposition uh, to this legalization or regulated process. It's going to happen. So might as well jump on board. Yes, you can probably delay it a couple more years, but inevitably get your first mover advantage, stop fighting it and just jump on board. So they got deep pockets. They can definitely uh, make some serious um, adjustments and they already have those FDA connections, right? So if they really do need, uh, the crazy amounts of money to be FDA approved for whatever ailment that they want to be able to promote. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, it's probably going to be more of the big pharma that is allowed to um, advertise ailments, whereas cannabis companies right now, until the U.S. becomes legal and they can go on the public markets legally, plant touching companies, until that happens, they may not have the capital to spend tens of millions or hundred million dollars on, on approval. 
So FDA approved CBD based drugs, uh, definitely pushing for that FDA approval um, in, in a lot of different factors. So this would allow the FDA and doctors and pharmaceutical companies to gain control over the product prescription distribution and a lot of beloved products. So paving that way to um, complete a pharmaceutical domination. So it seems like they're kind of just uh, happily waiting on the sidelines, uh, acquiring patents and securing rights to various extraction methods, uh, concoctions and um, ailments. So pharmaceutical companies are going to basically lean on uh, on regulators and get them in their pockets. So when the time comes, they're going to be they're going to have that. Um, first mover advantage. So unlike natural cannabis and natural counterparts, a lot of these drugs can have some serious side effects. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of big pharma. And so I'm not going to be taking their pills. I'm going to be sticking with the uh, natural thing. I think the um, thing that we can all agree on though, is that they're here and we're just gonna have to deal with them, but how we deal with them, I think uh, we're just going to have to figure that one out. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.